Usted está escuchando Radio Tierra en el 95.1 FM Hood River, 95.9 FM Stevenson, 107.1 FM Parkdale, 107.7 FM Didells, Casas, El Latido del Gol, su radio comunitaria. Usted está escuchando Conoce tu Columbia, un programa producido por Columbia River Keeper. Yo soy Ubaldo Hernández. Esta noche tenemos con nosotros a Des Ramírez. Hola, buenas noches. Des, where do you work? I work at Columbia Land Trust, um, and I work out of the office in Vancouver, and I am the content manager. So for how long you been working at uh, Columbia Land Trust? I started at uh, the Land Trust uh, in late September, end of September, so I've been there for almost two months, and... Um, stepped into my role and I'm producing um, our field book, our monthly Moss newsletter, and um, working on some uh, video, social media content uh, for our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter channels, and also um, maybe going to get into some uh, video work for 2019. Um, so a bunch of stuff, just writing, um, creative work, mostly. So um, what's Columbia Land Trust does? So Columbia Land Trust is um, a land trust based um, here in the Pacific Northwest. And we are conserving and caring for um, land, water, and wildlife of the Columbia River region. Um, and we do that through science, um, conservation, stewardship, and um, community engagement, and relationship building. Um, so yeah, that's our job. So, um, I'm assuming this is an environmental, uh, advocacy work. How did you get into this job? Where, because there is not many Latinos, uh, participating on this type of, uh, jobs. Well, so Columbia Land Trust, um, focuses on, um, preserving, protecting, restoring land that surrounds the Columbia watershed. Um, There is, um, so advocacy is part of the work, um, and relationship building is another part of the work. Um, and actually, this exact thing that we're talking about, I um, wrote a story about for the field book um, that's coming out next month. Um, it's our, it's sort of like our newsletter uh, slash magazine that we put out three times a year. Um, so if you... Um, look at our website at columbialandtrust.org, you can um, take a peek at what Fieldbook is. But um, yeah, so essentially we're a land trust that's protecting land, um, preserving it, and figuring out long-term, really long-term ways to take care of um, certain pieces of land forever. Um, we have what we call eco-regions. So we have land that we've conserved in the um, Columbia Gorge, out near the coast, um, out in the East Cascades, um, sort of dispersed throughout um, the Pacific Northwest. Um, we conserve land in Oregon and in Washington. Um, and how did I end up in this role? It's, 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 
starting to work with Columbia Land Trust all was sort of very serendipitous for me. Um, I had a background in uh, at a creative agency for about four years. I was working at Wyden and Kennedy um, with creative directors and producers, and um, I launched a really big project before I left the agency um, and published a digital travel platform called On She Goes, a travel website for women of color, um, travel writing by women of color for women of color. So a really unique passion project that um, I launched with a team of um, other women and um, left widen on a high note and decided that after my journey creating On She Goes, I wanted to um, really, really focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion work in outdoor recreation. Um, so that was my goal. That was what I set out to do after I left. And um, I love outdoor recre- recreating. I love, um, I'm a river rafter. So I've done a couple of um, Grand Canyon River trips and um, gone on uh, crew and worked my way down the river. Um, a few times I love hiking, backpacking, camping, um, and just spending time outside. And so that was why I had such a passion to go do um, equity and inclusion work in recreation, because as a Mexican-American, I find immense value in spending time outside. Um, But I do understand the systematic issues that exist around um, outdoor recreation being historically exclusionary. So, um, yeah, that was the path I was on and, um, spent this past year traveling a lot, um, spending time with different communities. I went down the Rogue River in Southern Oregon on a whitewater trip, um, this summer, spent a lot of time out here in Hood River, um, stand up paddle boarding, swimming in the Klickitat, just really kind of, um, immersing myself more in our landscape because I finally had time to, um, and yeah, met some folks on the Rogue and found out about Columbia Land Trust and it just turned out to be a really awesome fit. Um, our values were really aligned. We're both working, um, to achieve equity in conservation. So, um, I just thought it was a really, a really great place to end up. I love the work that they're doing. I love, um, this, you know, when you think about outdoor conservation and advocacy and outdoor recreation, so, uh, you know, protecting land and then spending time out in it, diversity, equity, and inclusion needs to be integrated into both of those, those areas. You can't, diversify one without the other. So I feel very fortunate to have ended up, um, you know, in an emerging leadership role in conservation. So now I get to understand all of this beautiful science and, you know, history and knowledge of the land that we're, that we're protecting and restoring, um, you know, so that Animals can be, you know, healthy and exist. Habitat species can exist and be sustained. And then, you know, in certain spaces, um, providing a really special place for people to experience and spend time on. Um, so that's kind of my been my whole journey to this point, and I feel really fortunate. 
Wow, that's a really interesting journey. I, I see that the job that you are doing is really important. Um, one of the thing is uh, we both know the uh, uh, environmental and the outdoor industry has been really, uh, really uh, dominated by white, white culture. So for us to be able to uh, start working on these type of jobs is kind of breaking ground. Uh, one of the things that I, I see that our job is, one of the things is to help the community to participate on this type of um, a project. Uh, it can be on the outdoor activities or on the environmental protection activities. And, um, and actually is to uh, help our community to, uh, to express their concerns, to, uh, to talk about, about what they think or how they feel about these uh, issues. Yeah, um, so we are sort of developing and incubating ideas and strategies and, you know, um, programs around uh, community outreach and community engagement. Um, and the person that is working on that right now is actually somebody that introduced you and I, um, mm -hmm. Rahul Devaskar. Um, and he's awesome. And so um, he's just spending a ton of time out in the field right now talking to people and understanding what communities need and want and how they interact with the land that we are trying to protect um, and understand what we can do um, for these communities um, and how we can all work together to achieve the same goal, which is protect these beautiful spaces and um, keep you know, the home that we live in, the Pacific Northwest, a, you know, a healthy, thriving place. Um, so I think that Columbia Land Trust does have a desire to, you know, stay engaged with the community and um, figure out the best ways we can help each other um, and hear, you know, the concerns um, and you know, what other communities are dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis and how that affects their relationship with conservation, recreation, spending time outside, um, natural resources, all of those things. Yeah, that's a, a really important and interesting uh, job that we are uh, doing. Um, one of the things, my personal experience is, every time I talk to members of the community, uh, the Latino community uh, in this case, uh, every single person I talk to, they care about our environment. They know that climate change is happening. They, they are aware of the uh, importance of protecting our natural resources. And, and I think till this uh, moment, nobody had uh, given them the, the microphone to express their concerns. You know, right, nobody's right. been asked in the Latino community what they think about it. So one of the things that I see for our uh, job is to find ways to engage the Latino community, give them tools and how to participate in protecting our natural resources. And we have to do it in a way that's uh, cultural appropriate. 
so we can have access to these communities. We can uh, understand how they feel about it. Absolutely. And um, so one of the things when I, I'm referring about how they feel about participating with um, in protecting our natural resources, a lot of time is they have priorities, and sometimes their priority is not protecting uh, uh, the river, the forest. A lot of times their priorities are having food and the table for their family. Mm -hmm. On our community, a lot of times priorities are to make sure that they are not going to be pulled over by a cop and end up in jail. Right. Their priority is to make sure that they are, gonna, they are going to come back safe every night, every day after work at home mm -hmm. with their families. To me, it's really important to understand and acknowledge those uh, uh, problems that our community is facing and also talking to them about the same time we have to protect our natural resources. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I agree 100%. And um, one, one thing that I think is super important is, uh, you know, from an outreach and engagement perspective is going to different communities in the gorge um, and having, getting to know, you know, people in the community and understanding what their life is like and what they're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. Cause it, the chances that it's a stark contrast from, you know, what our experience is day-to-day -day is very high. Um, and figuring out, um, being solution driven, but in a way that's not creating a whole new, um, you know, structure for and expecting them to come into that. Um, I think like really important work. And I, you know, uh, we've kind of talked about this briefly, um, in meetings and networking things and stuff. But, um, I think that conservation groups, um, you know, they have a really amazing challenge in front of them when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion work. And that's to not create new framework for people of color to, you know, come to. Um, but I think it's going and actually integrating yourself into the community, um, establishing trust with one another, and then working together with leaders in the community um, or working with, the, you know, a group of people in the community as a collective decision-making and co-creating a strategy together on what works best. And I think some of that works, you know, already happening. I definitely um, see it out here in Hood River. And I know that um, at Columbia Land Trust, we are very um, engaged and invested in, you know, finding the best way to work with um, diverse communities and um, understanding one another and working together and supporting each other. And, and that's, I think that's a really important approach when we see that um, communities working together instead of seeing some uh, community superior to the other one and trying to help the other community, when in reality we are all together on this place and we have the same responsibilities. We have to uh, um, we have to share equal responsibility in protecting our natural resources. 
and that requires for us to work together, you know, and see eye to eye as a community. I think that's an, a really important approach when uh, organizations now, they want to uh, integrate communities instead of uh, creating, like you say, new frameworks, you know, to to let them be part of that. I think the, the um, work that has to be done, it has to be done as a partners. Absolutely. So, and as a, I think that's a, that's a really interesting uh, approach to our community, and I think that's a really important job that you are doing. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm uh, doing my own my own version of it. I mean, um, as a my role at the at Columbia Land Trust is creative, and um, you know my my goal with with the land trust and with my team I'm working with there is to really help bring a lot of stories, you know, um, to life and share with people, um, whether there are already people that are familiar with Columbia land trust or you're a newcomer to conservation and you've never, um, known what a land trust does. Um, my, I've just taken it on to go into the community, whatever community that is here in the Pacific Northwest, there's all different ones to tap into that are, you know, tangentially or directly connected to conservation and recreating. Um, but go into these communities, um, whether they're the dominate, the dominant culture or the marginalized community, um, the minority, um, and see what people are doing and what they're talking about, what they're working on. And understand, you know, get to know them. What's their story and why are they doing this kind of work? Um, I think that finding people of color that are interested and have a drive and passion for conservation is a really unique story. It's not a very common thing we're seeing yet. Um, but I think, I mean, I can bet that 10 years from now it will be a much different um, you know, we'll be looking at a different um, group of people that are leading conservation um, just based on the way our population is growing and demographically, um, you know, groups that are growing really fast in the U.S., um, cities that are changing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my passion is outreach and working with people, um, you know, on a one-on-one -on -one level, understanding, you know, what our common ground is around conservation recreation and how it, um, how it makes them feel and why they want to do it. And then bringing those stories to the page, sharing them with, um, you know, whoever's hands they come into, whether you're a part of the Columbia Land Trust, you know, uh, audience, um, or whether you're just somebody that, you know, is kind of into hiking and you want to find out more about how to, you know, save certain pieces of the Columbia Gorge and protect it. Um, so that's, that's sort of my mission is going out and amplifying voices um, that haven't really been getting heard. And also, you know, telling stories of those that have been doing this for their whole lives and what keeps them um, engaged and invested in this type of work. Yeah, that's, uh, I think that's uh, really important. And uh, 
and it's not an easy task. Um, we have to recognize that um, the Latino or people of color hasn't been really uh, big into participating in protecting uh, our natural resources or preserving it. Um, but I don't think that's not because people is not interested. It's just because still recently there hasn't been opportunities for the community to participate. So I think this work of collecting histories and telling it to the community, it will amplify the, the uh, real concerns of members of our community, you know? And collectively, it's gonna create a, a conscience, a community conscience about protecting uh, our natural resources to protecting our planet and to preserve a future healthy future for our future generations. And I think that's uh, really interesting. Um, one other thing is, um, as, a, as a community, as a Latino community, we were talking about the importance of participating, right? When we participate, um, things change. And I think we, uh, you were mentioning about the importance of voting. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that's one of the, the ways that we can express or, or voice, uh, we can express our concerns and totally um, help our uh, communities, help our environment to stay uh, protected. Yeah, I um, was listening to uh, the radio and hearing to the news and hearing some statistics the other morning that made me happy and made me feel hopeful and re-energized around um, hope and dif making a difference. Um, but apparently in the midterms that recently passed, um, Latino turnout um, was very high, I think at an all-time high. Um, so states like Nevada, Arizona, and Texas um, had really high Latino turnout, um, at the polls. Um, and people are saying that this sort of spike in Latino voters could potentially, um, reshape the 2020 election, which is like, wow, I'd like to hear that. You know, it's, it's, I've sort of been hearing that, one day Latinos, the, the percentage of Latinos is going to bypass um, and become a bypass um, white people and become a dominant um, majority in certain parts of the country. So I've been hearing that for a long time. I grew up in Los Angeles. There are Latino people everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And so um, you hear that when you, when you spend time down there. Um, but to be reminded of that and then to actually see maybe some evidence of that, you know, reflected around politics is like, it just, it really made me feel excited and happy. Um, so one other thing I found in that piece of news was that 29 million Latinos were eligible to vote this year. So it's, um, I mean, that's an amazing statistic to me. And that just tells me that um, it is more important now than ever to um, get registered to vote 
and go out and participate in these elections and make decisions that might, you know, reflect something that you want to see happen in this world. I think that it's just, it's such a rich time um, to empower yourself, especially as a Latino person in the U.S. So that just really struck me. So it is. It really struck me. Twenty million Latinos. Twenty nine million. Twenty nine million Latinos. They were uh, eligible to vote, and mm-hmm. this term. Yep. So we have to wait till twenty uh, twenty. It will increase the number. So <laughs> it's really interesting, and this is one of the things that we have to talk to our community, to uh, get informed, to read about your rights, to participate, and to totally go to the polls and make a difference and vote for whoever you want to to vote and, and believe, for your beliefs, you know, uh, where you stand uh, on. And, uh, but these this, uh, votes, they need to be um, taught. It's not just going and, and, and vote just to vote. Right. I think that the community needs to get informed, read, see what's happening around. You know, because one other thing is uh, a lot of times if we um, do not participate, we are conceding, right? Because I vote, uh, uh, I hear a lot of people say, oh, I don't want to vote. Um, I don't believe in the system. But a lot of times if you don't vote, you are giving the okay right. to maintain the systems. The Sometimes, and a lot of times they're, are oppressing us as a community. And uh, we can see it right now, there is a lot of discrimination against people of of color and Latinos. And uh, we see a lot of um, bad energy put into immigrants, you know, how we are diminished as humans. You know, when when people uh, use the words of that we are criminals, we take advantage of the system. When in reality, uh, from my own uh, experience and my own research, as a Latino, as a member of this community, we all participate. We all are productive in our communities. You know, I know people that came to this area and worked two jobs and maintained their family. You know, they send them to school. They spend money on, their, on this country. They move the economy, and a lot of undocumented immigrants, they can't get any services, but they still pay in taxes. And this is one of the things that we have to talk. We have to let our community know that as a community, we participate. We, we are um, giving our lives to this country. You know, we work hard. We pay our taxes. And everybody in this country pay taxes. So, so it's something that we can say, no, they don't. Everybody in this country pay taxes. And a lot of undocumented uh, immigrants, they can't even claim any of those services that um, the system offers to people who, who um, are citizens or, or they are documented uh, immigrants. All this information we need to um, learn, and also we have to tell the information to other groups 
So when somebody comes and tells lies, there is no way people is going to um, keep following into that trap. I would be, um, I can't express enough how important it is around, um, how important it is to become an informed voter and get a basic understanding of um, what your rights are and um, how, you know, become empowered to vote during elections and midterms and um, local elections. I would be curious to know how voter registration, what voter registration looked like um, throughout the Columbia Gorge for Latinos. Um, I'm sure at some point I can look it up or that info might be released, but um, I think that I think that um, Latino millennials are having a huge impact in this, you know, thing, in this moment that we're talking about. And I am very proud of, you know, any uh, new voter that registered this, <laughs> this year um, for these midterms. And I think that continued um, awareness and educating around voting um, as a Latino in the U.S. is super, super important and crucial. So canvassers and people that were working, um, you know, around ballots and voter education and all of, all of that good work that happened for these midterms recently, thank you for the work you're doing and please keep it up. <laughs> and, and one of the things that I, I see that is really interesting is also that we have different uh, platforms to look for information. It's not just TV like before, right? So now we have uh, internet. And the internet, there is a lot of uh, ways that you can find information, look for the truth. You know, and this is something really interesting. Uh, most of the uh, young adults that they can vote now, they have access to this information. And they can do a better um, decision based on what is um, what is true, right? Because um, we have the experience that a lot of times uh, information is being manipulated. So uh, search and look for the truth is really important, and we have tools to do that. And I believe a lot of uh, millenniums or, or young adults can do that, and they do that, and well, proofs are the last elections, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it had a turnover on the Congress. Yep. <laughs> so, um, which is really important, let's uh, tell our community to get informed and vote. Yes. And, get, uh, get informed and get registered to vote. <laughs> exactly. And this time we were 29 millions. So the number is going to increase next term for 2020 29 million and growing <laughs> as he is um, the other thing is uh, when I when I think about our community and and we want to um, encourage people to participate to to vote to participate with uh, groups like uh, Columbia Land Trust Columbia River Keeper you know in order to protect preserve our natural resources we are integrating uh, into this um, society and this culture and uh, being part of that 
we are getting into uh, one of the biggest celebrations of the year, which is uh, Thanksgiving. So, and, and as our, it's really interesting. I'm always wondering how our communities are, are uh, integrating on these type of uh, celebrations, you know, because it's part of our celebrations too now. You know, I've been, uh, I mean, our community has been, uh, members of our community have been living in these areas for 20, 30, 40 years, you know, which uh, basically make us part of this and we adopt all these uh, new cultures mm -hmm. and uh, Thanksgiving is one of them uh, how was how did you how did you see how did you perceive this well Thanksgiving is always an interesting time um, you know growing up it was a holiday that my family always celebrated um, and we call it Thanksgiving um, but you know as somebody that's um, now been working in social justice movements and um, projects that are connected to social justice and racial equity. Um, I have a different perspective around Thanksgiving. Um, I spent a good deal of time with a Native American nonprofit in Portland, um, working with them over the last couple years on a few different projects and um, you know, you see, you see, um, you know, different types of content on social media, um, you know, across all kinds of different channels around decolonizing, um, you know, holidays, quote unquote holidays like Thanksgiving, um, or you definitely see now a very, um, very forthright stance and, pers you know, different perspective on what Thanksgiving means for Native American people. Um, and so I, I don't um, discount any of that. I think about that all the, you know, this time every year now. November is, is recognized as Native American Heritage Month. And I think that's as important to acknowledge as a day that we call Thanksgiving. So I can't speak to way that the narrative is being rewritten around Thanksgiving um, and the way that Native Americans are reclaiming this day and, you know, rejecting colonization around it and reclaiming it as something else. Like, I, 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 I'm not in a position um, to, I guess, uh, say enough about that right now. But I do, I do extremely value that perspective and that that moment of taking something back that was, you know, taking back a, a, a moment in time that was not peaceful and um, what we, what we, what we have come to know Thanksgiving as is it, that is not a version that Native Americans accept. So I think acknowledging that is super important. And then I also think that, you know, honoring the day as, um, like for me personally, Thursday, you know, November 22nd, Thanksgiving day is going to be a day where, um, I go and I spend time with my family and catch up on, you know, what's going on in our lives and share a meal together. That's how I view this, this holiday now. Um, and it's become more of like a family centric moment for me. 
Um, and yeah, this year I'll be, um, going back to Los Angeles where all of my family lives and, um, spending time with them and cooking a big, you know, dinner with my grandma and having all my tias and tios and, uh, primas, primos over the house and sitting around the table and having a nice dinner together. Um, so that's, that's what Thanksgiving looks like for me. Um, well, and, and that's something really interesting that um, we are reshaping history, right? Uh, Thanksgiving, as same as Columbus Day. I mean, uh, we have to think about that um, <coughs> colonization of our communities, of our uh, ancestors. Um, one of the things, the same thing happened, the same feeling is from uh, uh, Native Americans from Mexico or Central America, you know, when they uh, opened their arms to colonizers, you know, when they arrived to our lands and they um, they were not doing well and we share our uh, wealth, our food with these groups and at the end we were betrayed and that's a reality and that's one of the things that we cannot keep ignoring that. You know, I think that's a, a time that we need to say it and, and acknowledge and speak up and what happened to our communities, what happened to all the um, natives on this continent. We all are in the same uh, situation. Um, but uh, saying that, acknowledging that, we are reshaping our celebrations. You know, um, it's a time to explain with family. It's a time to sit on a table and tell the stories that our ancestors tell us and pass it on to our future generations. And I think that's one of the things that we need to see that uh, these type of celebrations are reshaping uh, based on how we feel now, but not forgetting what happened to us, to our communities. Absolutely. I think... Um yeah, you did a very good job summarizing that. I felt I was a little all over the place, but um, yeah, I I agree. So and I, and I think uh, to me it's really important to spend time with friends, family, and have a night to eat, share a meal, <laughs> sit on the on the couch and uh, joke around and uh, relax, relax and really enjoy your family. You know, enjoy your your friends. You know enjoy uh, be part of the community and and build uh, start thinking and building a better future you know absolutely um one tradition that my family has done my whole life that is um very mexican and not uh i mean this was just our own thing but um every year we used to go to my tia cuca's house for thanksgiving and I come from a long line of very good cooks in the family. My great grandma, um, Mama Maria, she she had she was like one of the first women that had her own burrito cart in downtown LA back in the forties, and she taught my grandma and her sisters how to cook, like like her, and 
they taught their daughters and sons how to cook and I learned how to cook from my grandmother. So cooking, you know, traditional dishes is something that we do in my family around the holidays. And even when it's not a holiday, Sunday dinners or, um, you know, birthdays, you know, special moments, we, there's, there's cooking, um, going on, you know, in my grandmother's house and every Thanksgiving, I remember being a kid and going to my Tia Cuca's house and she had this huge pot, um, que se dice olla grande. <laughs> and I never knew what was in that pot. I didn't, I, it, you know, I was just a little kid, but, you know, the kids weren't allowed in the kitchen, everybody out, and it was just, you know, my tia Cuca, my grandma, my other tia cooking. And she was cooking um, a dish called pipian, which is a turkey mole, and the mole sauce that she would cook that turkey in was like a, you know, mole, but her version of mole so whatever you know some maybe a little bit of pumpkin spices chocolate and she was just cooking it like probably I don't even know for days or something (laughs) but I remember being a little kid and wondering like why do we have this weird dish you know what is this why can't we have uh, stovetop stuffing and turkey white meat turkey like I wanted all of that very like um, American, very American food. And now looking back, oh my God, I love, you know, eating my Tia Cuca's pipian dish and I'm, and I really want to learn how to make it. Um, but it's funny to be an adult and come full circle with like embracing these cultural traditions that you grew up with that you don't really understand or know about when you were younger. Um, yeah, so that's just one example of something unique we do. And and, and now that you mentioned that, it's uh, how we represent celebrations on the table as a community, different cultures, you know? Like uh, um, now I'm thinking about families that I know, they make tamales for Thanksgiving, you know? They, uh, they make pozole. So all these Mexican dishes that they made just to celebrate Thanksgiving... And, and getting not used to that turkey, you know? Mm, tengo hambre. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting hungry too. That's a really good thinking about all these different meals that they go to the table and, and people spend time doing it, you know, to celebrate, to, to share with families, friends. And also one of the other things to share culture, you know, because uh, when you put not a turkey on the table, and you put a pipian, you put a um, tamal, you put a, a pozole or, or menudo on the table. I mean, this you are sharing part of your culture, part, part of your your heritage. So, which is really important, you know, for this time to to let people know about different uh, perspectives, even on the table, on the food, you know. I wonder what people from other countries they do, you know, yeah. and uh, uh, how they celebrate and and the way they how, what kind of food they put on the table to celebrate this day. So yeah. it's uh, it's a really interesting. We'll see. Let's um, 
when when you come back from uh, California and tell us uh, what you had for dinner. I'll give you the the, the dinner report. <laughs> yeah, that that would be nice to to hear. And also for people who wants to participate with us, they can go to Conoce tu Colombia. There is a page uh, and on Facebook, and they can uh, tell us their story. What's on their table, you know? For dinner on Thanksgiving, that will be really interesting to know, you know. Yes, and see I would if, love to know if people participate and see uh, what's on the um, on our community's table for Thanksgiving. One of one of the other things um, which uh, I think we're kind of running out of time, and one of the things I would like to talk about is about Hanford. Have you ever heard about Hanford? I have a little bit. Hanford is a contaminated site. It's really important for us as a community to participate and to make sure the government do a proper uh, cleanup and containment of the radioactive waste that it was produced there. So it's really important for us as a community to participate and help organizations like Columbia Riverkeeper demand to the government to do a proper uh, cleanup and containment of all this material. Absolutely. Is there a place um, on Columbia Riverkeeper's site where people can get some information, more information about this? People can visit Columbia Riverkeeper website, and we have information about Hanford, the work we are doing. And also there is uh, petitions that people can uh, sign. And one of the things on this, what is happening at this moment, the uh, government wants to redefine the level of the nuclear uh, site waste. So they want to uh, redefine the level to go lower so they don't have to expand much resources in order to contain this area and do appropriate cleanup, which with that decision, it will put our communities that we live along the uh, Columbia River uh, on a high risk on a potential disaster. And I think it's our duty as a part of the community to participate and express our concerns. Because uh, if something's happened in this area, it's gonna affect us. And, uh, and one other thing is, it's something that can be prevented or controlled. But uh, if, if we participate, we can make sure that whoever is in charge of containing and clean up this uh, site they do a good job, and it's our job to participate, to make sure this, this place is still regulated and is still rated as a high level of uh, nuclear waste. Um, uh, one of the things that uh, Hanford, for people who, have, who hasn't heard about it before, Hanford is a place where the uh, United States government uh, developed a lot of nuclear weapons that we have, and that place was where one of the bombs that were uh, detonated in Japan was built. So it's uh, it's a site where the nu- nuclear waste is being left behind after the uh, government used this area to produce uh, nuclear uh, weapons. The problem with this site is that uh, nuclear waste, it doesn't really goes away. It stays there for hundreds, thousands of years. And one of the things is this area 
it's really dangerous for our communities. Uh, all the communities that live along the, the Columbia River, we are a high risk if something's happening in the area. It's important to say uh, to people, if you want to keep the water clean, you have to help us protect it. You need to, you know, take a stand and help do something about it. It's a big effort, and that's a huge um, challenge to be up against. Exactly. And uh, our Latino community, we can do that, and we can participate. So if you want to take action, you can visit uh, Columbia River Keepers website, and you'll find that information. You can go to um, tab that we have uh, for take action, and there you'll see the, the place where you can fill up the petition to stop the uh, the government to redefine the level nuclear waste site. So it's really important to participate. Um, also, you can visit uh, Columbia River Keeper website and check on the Spanish section, which uh, we are starting to put more information in Spanish. So for members of our community that they feel more comfortable uh, reading in Spanish, they can get that information. And also, if you are uh, listening, sometimes I have uh, people telling me that uh, Columbia Riverkeeper is kind of hard to remember for the Latino community. So one of the things that we did is we put conocetucolumbia.org and uh, if you enter that on the uh, search tab on Google or wherever your browser is, uh, it will send you to the Spanish page of Columbia Riverkeeper. Great. That's so, great. So, yeah, we are trying to, to make this thing so people can visit our website and get more information on what's going on on the river. Um, I want to uh, really thank you for being part of the conversation tonight. Thank you. And, I loved being on. And I think this is, this is going to be one of the many we're going to have. Yes, so I hope so. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to have more shows with you and we have more conversations. And uh, if you are um, listening to uh, Conoce Tu Colombia and you want to be involved, you want to be part of the change, you can visit our website or you can give me a call. My phone number is 541-490-7722. And if you have uh, concerns and you want to know more about how to protect our natural resources, you can call me. My name is Ubaldo Hernandez, and uh, we have this. If uh, you can visit their uh, site too, you can visit. Uh, so, if you want more information on Columbia Land Trust and the work that we're doing, and you want to read some of the stories uh, from the community that we're telling, you can visit columbialandtrust.org. Um, um, and you can also find me at desramirez.com. So Des with Z, Conceta. C. <laughs> Bien. So, um, well, thank you for listening tonight. Thank you so much. And uh, remember, you are listening to Conoce Tu Colombia. This is a program produced by Colombia Riverkeeper. We broadcast every other week in Radio Tierra. Remember, you have a date with us in two weeks. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Yes, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Thank you very much.
Usted está escuchando Radio Tierra en el 95.1 FM Hood River, 95.9 FM Stevenson, 107.1 FM Parkdale, 107.7 FM Didells, Casas, el latido del Gorge, su radio comunitaria. <música> 